everybody remembers that that moment as a kid, right? <laughs> Are we, you know, if if it's been a tough day and we end the day with the milkshake spill, you know, watch out. to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. I think in my heart it was an impulse because I knew what I needed to do to move forward. Welcome to They Coined It. I'm Roberta Lip. I'm Dan Jasper. And we cover Mad Men episode by episode and season by season. We're here. End of season four. Unbelievable. Tomorrowland. We're going we're gonna to do this episode, and then it's the holidays, and we're going to have a couple of holiday treats for you. We do want to say special thanks this season. It seems like our listenership has kind of, I don't know, jumped a little. We're a little bit on the map, and you all have been just wonderful, and the Spotify rap where we are who you listen to most the most. Most listen to, yeah, just, we love it. It's just really been beautiful, and you're really helping support this this little project of ours and it makes us so happy. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you. And to thank you, we're going to talk about Tomorrowland. Let's do it. What about Tomorrowland? I don't want to ride an elephant. I want to fly a jet. Tomorrowland, written by Jonathan Igla and Matthew Weiner, directed by Matthew Weiner. Uh, the original air date was October 17th, 2010, and it takes place over October 8th through the 12th, 1965. Uh, so this is the season finale, season four finale. Don takes Megan on his trip to California with the kids and ends up proposing to her. That's something. That is something. Don and Don and Ken pitch the American Cancer Society as a result of Don's kiss-off letter to Lucky Strike. Ken and Peggy land the Topaz pantyhose account uh, as a first new win since the Lucky Strike departure. Betty fires Carla out of anger for letting Glenn see Sally before they're moving away. Oof. More than I thought. It sort of seemed like the Don Goes to California episode. Yeah. It, yeah. I, f- I didn't remember when Carla gets fired. And I, di- I didn't realize that that's the whole reason Megan has to pinch hit. <laughs> Carla was evidently going to be the, the extra plane ticket. Yeah. This was a fascinating episode. In some ways, it felt like a series finale. There was a lot of wrap up. There was a lot of um, just different storylines, sort of, you know, finding out that Joan is pregnant, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, to your point, I similarly, I, re- I basically remembered California and the proposal. And actually in my head, I remembered it wrong. I remembered that they get married, which is totally not what happened. And I forgot all about Topaz, Topaz, uh, Fanny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all, they're all connected yeah. too. So, uh, Seasons one and two, if I recall correctly, have that kind of structure where that penultimate episode is where all the action takes place. And then episode 13 is kind of the the come down. Inter- great episodes, but are not the big action episodes. They're the denouement. Right. Uh, this, <laughs> as we've talked about, doesn't have any of that climax and, and structure. This is sort of like... Yeah, it wraps everything up. Even things that we didn't know needed wrapping That's up. That's exactly were it. Up. You don't you really don't know where the season's going until you get here. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, this is all right. this is all what's going on. And you're right. It is all connected. And that's unusual. Yeah. That's unusual. The storylines are often disparate. 
Yeah, there's like an A, a story and a B story and, and that kind of stuff. And they have no connection, but you're right. In this case, it's all... They all have to do with each other. It's kind of like the suitcase in that regard, right? You always call it like a play because everything's kind of happening in front of us. But um, yeah, these all have... These are all sort of primarily interconnected, which is unusual. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you know? it's not a straight, it's not a straight line like the suitcase, but no. straight, the suitcase really is like a play. It is absolutely yeah. structurally like a play. But there's nothing that's totally, I mean, if you could say Glenn and Sally is a little bit off, you know, its own thing, but no, even it, that no, it, to, it directly affects Carla, 100%. which affects the trip. Yeah. You know? No, that's the domino. No, I mean, just Glenn and Sally though, just that piece of their relationship saying goodbye and all that kind of thing. Let's do that first. So let's actually start there. Uh, the Francis's are moving. They are. And, it, you know, it's happened. The house has been sold. And Glenn comes over. And you're, it, it is shocking after the last encounter to even mm. see him walking into the house. That kid's got balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, he comes over to say, I told you so, which is great. Told you you were moving. <laughs> oh, he does say that. Yeah, sure. He does say that. Listen, those are these are the predictions that were were planted earlier in the season. Faye also, right? That's the other payoff. Yep. So Sally and Don have some parallelism to their their stories this season, don't they? Yeah, a little bit. You know? Yeah. I just found it shocking to see him walk into the house, right? And then, <laughs> and right. Carla is really torn and Carla tries to do the right thing. But at the same time, Carla has a feeling in her body <laughs> uh-huh. as opposed to uh, Betty and lets the, lets the kids say goodbye. Yeah. You know? And and trusts Sally enough to let him go right upstairs. Like he's she's not worried. And it was a short visit. If he if he wasn't down in nine minutes, she would have poked her head yeah, up. Yeah, she would yeah. have broke exactly. So that's a really lovely scene. It is. They say goodbye and they hug. I love Glenn said when he asks if they're going to uh Disneyland and Sally's excited. She is. He says, Get me something. Get me something. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what couple east coast kids would say to each other but it's also a little bit of a like they talked about you know he's only a few years away from his uh license mm-hmm. so the get me something also sort of is a little bit of uh we we're not saying we're only saying goodbye for now yes yes they expect whether they do or not we don't know at this point but um right yeah they expect to stay in touch yeah no that's that's how they're relating to each other so and then of course betty comes home the timing doesn't work out. And she it's interesting that she actually confronts Glenn. Mm-hmm. And and they really they really say stuff to each other. Oh, it's my just God. so weird. Well, Betty's so she's just, as we would say now, she's in a bad place, right? Betty's just in a bad headspace all around, I think, whether it's you know, seeing Bethany Van Nuys or it's it's the the tension with Henry and selling the house and the, the kids. She the last person on the planet, strangely enough, she wants to see is Glenn Bishop. Betty has turned into, you know, from somebody who who was sad and you could be sympathetic to, at least in this season, has just become vile. She's just her behavior <laughs> is just is just awful. She's yeah. she's cruel, she's insensitive, she's unbelievably selfish and again she selfish was always there but she's really become monstrous well she also vacillates she vacillates between the kids need continuity to you know as henry points out to firing the nanny right no she doesn't and then and then saying i need a fresh start well which is it you know 
because it's all there. It's all there in service of her defending herself and her position. That's right. She is just utterly selfish. She is. She's really become villainous, and it's yeah. it's wild. And can't and can't give the uh, the recommendation. That's just that. That's cool. Yeah. Right. You find out later that she refuses to give a, re- a letter of recommendation. She does what she does with Carla bad enough, but to to shut her out like that is brutal. Just insane. It's brutal either way. She pays her for the week. And who knows what the right thing to do is? Henry. Henry. Good soul, Henry. You know, I was talking to my sister the other day about this episode. And a thing she said was, by sheer luck, Betty ends up married to a basically decent guy. Yes. And it really was luck because she would have, because it wouldn't have mattered. You know how I got really stuck on it when they first met of, but he's hitting on this visibly pregnant somebody else's wife. And my sister was like, yeah, it's not perfect, but just he does. So, but, but, but she's right. It is by sheer luck because Betty would have married anybody who paid a particular kind of attention to her, who Mm -hmm. seemed like the ticket out. Yeah. And could, could check a few boxes for her. Yeah, exactly. And, and she didn't care if Henry was essentially a good person or not. That was not, she didn't, she doesn't even know how to look for that. (laughs) No, that's a great point. That's a great point. I think it it also comes down to, as we said earlier in the season, Henry being able to do the creepy thing and not seem creepy. So touching the pregnant woman's belly is creepy, but he he pulls it off. So (laughs) had he come off really creepy, maybe she would have raised a red flag, but no, it all, it all worked. He had her consent to touch her belly. He did. He did have he her did. consent. But to me, the creepiness <laughs> was the just the hitting on her in general. It's yeah, it's a little besides the point. Not that not not, not that not consent would have been okay, but the, the consent wasn't the only thing creepy about that. But my point is, we've seen very little creepy about him since. No, absolutely. He's a good stepfather. He's a good husband. He's he fixes problems. He's very soothing with Betty, and he's losing his fucking patience by now. And he's present, which is the opposite of Don Draper. That is true. You know, we, we see that a lot. And they have lots of fun, good sex, these two. Evidently. Yeah. We get some evidence of that. So Betty is spinning. That's how I look at Betty right now. She's kind of spinning. And, you know, why can't you take my side? Which is sort of like code for, I want you to, I want you to agree with me, whether you agree with me or not. Right. Betty's in that state. And she feels persecuted when she's just attacking everybody around her. Mean people often feel persecuted. That's right. <laughs> it was wild for her to say to Glenn, I know why you're coming around. You chose her, you chose her after we broke up, basically. Oh, and God. it's just so gross. Ugh. The lack of self-awareness is, is cringy. What happened? Don, I have the children 99% of the time. This is a decision that I get to make. Well, can't I just hire her back for the trip? No. I don't want her poisoning the well. This is what sets the process in motion for Don not to have coverage in California, for Don to need someone for coverage, because he's going out there with the kids, but also for some business. Yeah, he's he's got meetings out there or a meeting out there. And it was also a great, the way that this sort of revealed itself. It was great the way the exposition came out. We don't know this in advance. We had no idea. We know California's coming. We find out about California. Yeah, well, last week we, we, we well, heard even about at the beginning, offhand. At the beginning of this, I think Faye, I think Faye's also taking a trip. And I think they're both taking a trip at the same time. Something like that. Yeah. 
So, but um, but yeah, but we didn't know the details, and we didn't know that Carla was coming, right? So that was yeah, it was great exposition there. So now Don's needs a pinch hitter, and much the same way. Now I'm I'm interested in this from the standpoint of our earlier conversation about why does Faye need to be so over the top bad with kids, right? So there's kind of a when he asks Megan, we know it's because. She's good with kids, at the very least. She handled that situation, you know, when when Sally melted down. But I don't think Don has some feeling that she's this maternal Mary Poppins type, just that she's she's not going to fall apart the way Faye did. He effectively asks her the same thing he asked Faye when Sally needed to go to his apartment for the day, right? Like, I just need someone. Will you do it, please? Uh, total panic. So she agrees to do it. And of course, it's the jackpot in terms of taking care of the kids. He didn't know what to do. He certainly, like, they had already slept together. So whether right. whether those feelings that he finally expresses as I've been thinking about you nonstop and I'm falling in love with you or I'm in love with you or whatever, wherever that yeah. lands, whether he really felt that big of a pull the whole time or not, we will never <sighs> know. He seemed pretty happy with Faye when the episode started. You know, they had a one and done agreement and she was his secretary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so maybe he didn't want to, you know, just be the pervy boss who broke that agreement. Plus, he already had Faye. Again, I don't know. Did he invite her? Did he invite her? Because, you know, did he think, oh, I've hit the jackpot, too? I mean, one of the. Oh, no, I don't think that. One of the things that Megan said, fast forward when they're when they're in bed and they're celebrating each other and then themselves was I knew I, she said I knew I would miss you mm. I, that was very interesting and yeah. revealing and 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 understandable like oh right she's with him all day every day that's starting to mean something to her okay was Don gonna miss Megan uh no you're solid on that I think this is a total spur of the moment actions I think he genuinely falls for her while they're out there in the course of 72 hours or whatever it is. He had to at least have had the thought, well, we could hook up. He had to have at least had that thought when he asked her. M maybe it was true panic when he asked her. Maybe he thought that on the plane out or, you know, somewhere in between. I think he did not go there. And if you look at the first few scenes where she's, she's you know, teaching him French and they're singing the songs and putting putting Jean down, he does not seem like he's, uh, you know, magnetized mm. by her. He's he's appreciative. He's sort of like, wow, I thought you couldn't, you know, you said no training. You know, he was genuinely impressed and genuinely taken. But he's still with Faye in his mind. I do think he, it was a convenience panic. I do think he remembers that she was good with Sally. But also, and this is going to be the answer to a lot of questions we're going to be asking today. Megan is always a yes. And Megan makes things easy. So he asked her, he knew she was available this week, right? I mean, what yeah. does a secretary do when, when your boss is out of the office? And it's, I mean, he doesn't know she's available for the weekend, but. Listen, and the proposition is appropriate. I'll double your pay. I really need you out there. Yeah. Here's what your duties are going to be. There was none of this, none of this, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go out to dinner. You know, it was none of that. It was all, I'll pay for you and your friend. Like, let's, I, I, but I need you. Honestly, it was a great idea. <laughs> it was. Let's hop back to uh, some of the new business stuff, because that's the other main point of this, uh, the episode. We see that Don has this, I guess, initial pitch to American Cancer Society. And it's more of like a, 
as Bert Cooper would say, open the kimono. It's not like a pitch with ideas and, and taglines and things. It's it's a get-to-know-you intro pitch. Bert is Bert walked out in the last episode and was not in this episode. And That's I correct. just got that now when you said Bert. Took his kimono and went home. He really That's did. Right. He had picked up his shoes on the way out. <laughs> he really did do that. Roger's, you know, running the store, I guess. The board meeting was kind of, I don't know, uneventful. We got a meeting to get another meeting is what Don says. That seems about about right. But it was also peppered with people who had value in other ways. That was the interesting piece that I hadn't picked up before. Because it was with the board, right? The focus was on these board members, right? Individually. One of whom was Ken's uh, father, future father-in-law. They wrangle Ken into Don's office and Roger lays the pitch down on Ken to say, you should be taking your father-in-law and this this board member buddy out for out for some golf, which is standard procedure, right? That would be a normal thing to to do. And Ken box. Ken will not do it. Ken's not having it. Ken is no Pete. His father-in-law is no Tom Vogel with Vicks. And he says no. And Ken says, I'm not I'm no Pete, or I'm not you, Pete. And yeah. Pete doesn't take that as an insult. <laughs> no. Um, which it was. It was it was it was very interesting to see that that to get that bit of Ken. Well, we've seen now this reversal in direction by these two, right? They've always been competitive account guys. Uh, you saw the, the two of them getting those nonsense titles in season two, right, right in order to, to compete. Ken, you know, is seen as this whiz kid with people and with relationships, and, and he is. We, we've seen him time and again be, be terrific. But I think in those intervening years, whatever that was, 62 now to 65, I think he's been a little bit grind, grinded down mm. by by the business, right? We see him complaining to Pete about accounts. They just come and go. And, and he comes back with this, um, comes back into the fold with this this acquisition. You know, I think he's more of now an everyday account guy. He's not a standout that he might have been a couple years back. I mean, what he says is, I'm going to go deal with the 30% of the, of the business that's still yeah, mine. That's so y'all knock it off. But also, he's he's somebody who who is... He said, I don't want to make this place my life. I don't want to make business my life. He's he's making choices. Well, he's drawing lines that that people need to draw to be healthy, for sure, to keep boundaries. And no, nobody else has drawn any in this office. No, but go back to that, uh, you know, that that memorial service or that funeral for that account guy where every this guy was never home yeah. and everything was a business deal and he's picking up gifts for his wife and his daughter on the road, you know, somewhere each time. That's more Pete. That's you right. Know, that's where Pete's headed. That's the line that Ken's drawing is like, no, no, my actual life. This is yeah. this will not be my actual life. This will be work. He expressed some of that when when he said, "I'm engaged." I wow, who like this is what life is for. That's so true. It, it, it's worth mentioning that it's now Pete on getting the upper hand from the yes. you know from within the the office environment that Pete is now the the top guy from an accounts perspective. And Pete's acting like a partner as he should be. And it's golf. It's not. Take him to Tahiti. You know. That's right. In the meantime, just backing up, you know, the first shot I think we see in the office is Joan pushing the mail cart. <laughs> I mean, that look on her face. Yeah. And then getting a promotion with mm. no money. You're starting to see the real effects of oh, yeah. of the paring down that, that's been happening around the office. And the need to acknowledge those who are standouts, which Joan always has been and will be. Lane knows that he needs to do something, right? They can't, they can't 
write her a bonus check and they can't do all this other stuff. So at a minimum, we want to acknowledge you. It's not the wrong thing to do, but it's when you're not offering someone more money, it's always going to fall flat. She's also pregnant and pushing around the mail cart. Correct. (laughs) Which we don't know when we see her pushing around the mail cart, but that's just another like further indignity of how she's got to keep her secret. Isn't it interesting that, um, I mean, a woman keeping her pregnancy private isn't a shock, but you've got some season enders with both Peggy and Joan right. secretly pregnant in the office. Right, right. But with, but with- Very different. With Joan, we find out it's not secret to to the hubby. Oh, Greg is thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Greg is thrilled and not- Not aware. Not a math student. So <laughs> as as good at math as he is at surgery. <laughs> she's passed. Yeah, she's um she's led him to believe that it's his his. We know it's not, but this is the first time we get concrete evidence that she kept the baby. That's right. Right? Yeah, this is when we learn. Again, most shows it would have been a whole dramatic scene with Roger and here's why I did it, or crying with the doctor, you know, something. But no, it's it's just a few weeks later. And uh, I want you, your legs up, or what? Yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> your feet up, and yeah, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. That. that oh, he. T- she told him. Okay. So yeah, that's it. There it that's is. the whole story. But the ACS is not the only business at play, because we get a little more Zoisha Mammoth. Joyce comes in with with her beautiful friend Carolyn Jones. Hey, Pumpernickel. I like that. <laughs> Love. Hey, Pumpernickel. Harry. Lays it on thick. Boy, Harry's really degenerated into just this creepy, pervy, annoying dude. Again, zero plot lines with Harry. These are all just moments that we see his his arc, if you want to call it that. But um, yeah, he ends he ends the season at a lower point than he started it, even though we barely get much time with him. Yeah, just every time you see him, he's just... Grosser and grosser, yeah. He's the he's the office creep for sure. The anti Henry Francis. I mean, he walked into her office with a pretense of something he wanted to talk about, (laughs) knowing that the model was there. Yeah. And then when they the women leave, he just leaves. He doesn't even pretend he wanted to talk to Peggy about that after after they leave. Well, I've been modeling at least until this morning. The Topaz people went nuts, fired the people who hired me, and then me. But you didn't do anything wrong, did you? No, she didn't. Peggy, Maybe. I'm sorry, you said Topaz fired everyone? From there, Peggy goes, oh, Topaz fired everybody? Aha, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Peggy is really thinking like a boss. Like an ad, like a, like an, like like a, an, uh, an account, like an account person, frankly. Yeah. And we've learned also, it has been 10 weeks of zero new business. That is a very long time. That sure is. That sure is. The, the effects of losing Lucky Strike are kind of rippling throughout the agency. They've let go of a bunch of people and haven't won any new business. So what I, I love that uh, I love the pitch meeting with Topaz mm. because Ken, again, what's his trajectory now? If we were doing a um, what do they call it? The hot list or the power the power the power rankings? Ken would be way down this week. People to watch. He's not yeah, on it because he uh, he puts his foot in his mouth. Right. About, oh, you only need to buy one. He's like, if we only sold one to everyone, we'd be out of business. Like, right, right, that's right. not 
that's not what an account person says, but Peggy. And she right away hears that and turns it into a win. Covers for him. Yeah. And, and gets it going. So her ideas win, win the account. Her ability to think like an account person <laughs> wins the account. Ken is left a little bit watching on the side, but they're thrilled. And I do love that scene where Ken comes in and gives her the news. And she, and she jumps, jumps into, into his, his arms. arms. <laughs> That's awesome. Totally cute. And yeah, I was thinking we use it all over our social media, right? That shot of Ken and very pregnant Peggy. Oh, yeah. In the recording studio with their headphones on. That's supposed to be what us. I don't know. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but they have a great relationship that we've seen kind of build very organically. It was great to see the band back together again, for totally. sure. So that's that would be the big news of the week if <laughs> if uh, Don's vacation went to plan. But let's go to California. Let's go back there. First of all, I love the kids putting their hands in the pool when they get off the plane and they're dressed for a plane ride. That's, that's right. What you have to, they are dressed a little bit to the nines for kids. Um, because going on a plane was a special occasion. You got dressed. Yeah, you always got dressed. You would get dressed to go to the theater and you would get dressed to go on a plane. Yeah, it really was a thing. It was probably their first, it was their first plane ride probably, right? Yeah, I'm sure. My last plane ride, I think I wore like Adidas flip-flops, like shower shoes on the plane. Well, shoes. Well, you have (laughs) to need something that'll slip on and off because of security. Uh, different world now. So they're obviously having fun in California. Now I've got the image of you in flip-flops. I can't not see it. That's right. Mm. Well, too bad. Um, I leave them on, though. I'm not like taking them off and, you know, waving my socks around like. There's no socks with flip flops. You're bluffing. (laughs) (laughs) Socks and Birkenstocks. That's the crime. There you go. But that's the plausible crime. Anyway. So, yeah. So Megan's in tow and she's carrying Jean around and the kids are frolicking by the pool. But you know, Don's got his meeting and he comes back. Now take us through the day by day with this. Let's let's go through that. So Friday he's got his meeting. When Friday he comes home, if you will, the kids burst into the French song yeah. that Megan taught them. And he literally says Maria von Trapp, but you're mm-hmm. already thinking it. The visual is so powerful of her, of Megan in that dress on that bed. I mean, you're practically expecting to see the kids dressed in drapes. Absolutely. And then, but then he actually says like, what are you fucking Maria Von Trapp? And like, he doesn't, he doesn't say fucking, but yeah. you know, he's, he's, she's obviously unbelievably wonderful with these kids. You know, he says, I thought you had no experience. Cause she had said like, I'm, I'm, I'm not experienced. And she, she's like, yeah, just professionally. I'm an aunt of like a million, clearly a natural, like not even breaking a sweat. That's right. Teaching them international songs. That's Friday. Saturday is the day they go to San Pedro. Yeah. Megan's with Jean. Don takes the two kids. They go to Anna's house. You know, Stephanie's there. Who painted on the wall? My friend Anna. She used to live here. Stephanie is her niece. Who's Dick? Well, that's me. That's my nickname sometimes. There's Dick and Anna, 64, on the wall. He gets choked up. I'm getting choked up. But what did he tell Sally and Bobby about where they were going? I'm just going to see a friend. Like it's Yeah, I mean, look, when you're that age, I think of my kids now, and if I'd said, we're in Disneyland... 
but we're going to go a half hour out of our way to go to some town you never heard of. Today we're going to visit who? To visit a friend of mine. Yeah. Like, I couldn't get him to go. <laughs> but Sally and Bobby are not at that age where they're going to opt out of things. He's not going to leave him in the hotel room to, to hang out. So yeah, they're, they're coming because they're coming. So if he says, I have to go do a thing, they're coming. I think it's more than that. I think probably he, more than that, but it doesn't need to be more than that. I think he wanted to share this with them. Absolutely. If he wanted to leave them with Megan, he could have. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. But it's just I'm just wondering what what the story was. What he t- you know we were going to go to an empty house. Yeah, I have I, it was, I have some property I need to see about uh, unloading. You know, he's not giving them yeah. this whole song and dance. It is interesting to think about what he would have told them, but he didn't need to tell them anything. Is my point. We're going to go see a friend of mine. You're coming. And so that's what happens. And we see Stephanie again. And, you know, Stephanie always, I can't remember what the line was, but she's always a little extra prophetic. Uh, <laughs> she speaks in these sort of. I know. She's a little on the nose. For she's me. Yeah, exactly. It's what it's all about, right? Not knowing. Not knowing yeah, exactly. we're all hippy dippy and yeah. it's all good, man. Yeah, I don't know. But it's powerful for Don. You know, when we look at the trajectory of getting to the proposal, first of all, He's handed an engagement ring <laughs> yeah. from Anna. Now, don't use this, Don, but this is yours, right? And and second, seeing the empty house, seeing Dick and Anna on the wall, you know, this was it. This really was. Well, this is part of this long term going, not just this season, but going back to, to season one. Yeah. This slow, slow, slow opening of Don's life and, and all these compartmentalizations that he has and all these ways he keeps things from different people and tells people different stories about who he is. This is the walls are slowly, slowly coming down. Look, they already came down with Faye. He told Faye. They came down with Pete in season one. So there's been all this kind of versions of of letting the facade down. And this is really the first time with the kids. Definitely. And Faye, Faye said, Faye said at the top, Maybe that sick feeling might go away if you take your head out of the sand about the past. She's really pushing him. In the, in the, again, in the question we're going to keep asking this episode, one answer is Faye's going to keep pushing Don to talk about stuff and to do work on himself that Don may or may not be interested in doing. Faye is going to always, no, she's really standing for something, right? She's yes. really, this isn't about you have to change for me. Faye is good for Don. Faye is good for Don. Faye is good for Don. And you're right. She does push him. But she sees it not unlike a a, a scientist would, right? A, 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 I don't think she's a therapist, therapist, like with patients. But she knows what makes people tick and knows what's good for people and from a mental health standpoint. And she knows Don needs to open up about all this stuff in different ways at different times and explore. And as she says, what, what, what's the thing, uh, you know, what then? And she's like, well, then you're left figuring stuff out just like the rest of us, you know, which is true. You're stuck trying to be a person yeah, like the exactly. rest of us. It's good for Don to hear that. He needs to hear that it's okay. You know, she is good for Don. But she's work. She's requiring, she's asking more of him. She takes him out of his comfort zone yeah. to do this. She's Don, asking more of him. You know who's not asking anything of him? Megan's not asking anything of him. Not a thing. <laughs> I'll take care of all your problems. All your kids. And yeah, you can go be done. That's what it is. And I'll answer your phone. Answer your phone and bring you your coffee. Sing little happy songs with your kids. And I think that's the realization. 
while in California. It was not there at the outset. Don did not go out. He was not growing tired of Faye, but I think the contrast was thrust in his face between these two. He knew there was an opportunity with Megan because they'd already slept together and he can come and knock on my door, uh, you know, after the kids are in bed. So that's day three is yeah. Sunday. Uh-huh. Sunday is the day that Don comes back, I think, from another meeting. Yeah. And they're all in the pool and they're like, come join us and come join us. And he doesn't. And he goes to the hotel room and he's he's sitting there still, I think, heavy with the weight of Anna. And then the next thing you know, he's in the pool with them. Yeah. And and listen, how good is that? How good does that feel when you throw your kids around in the pool or you just hear the laughing and you spend time with the kids where they're in a great mood yeah. like this? It just it does something so much for your soul. Absolutely. That um, Don's now a different guy, I think, that evening. Megan underlines it by saying, you know, come on, you you swim all the time. So <laughs> exactly. really underlines the difference between how Don has been swimming and this kind of an experience, right? Yeah, and that he shouldn't be that resistant to it. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah, well, but it's a totally different. Yeah, this is not swimming. Th- this is not swimming. <laughs> this is not with a purpose. This is not with a goal. This is this, this isn't is to sweat to... out the alcohol from the enjoy, last four exactly. days. Yeah. To enjoy your fucking life and be a person. So Sunday night is when Megan and Camille go out. Mm-hmm. And Megan looks... Smashing. ...different than she's ever looked, in our <laughs> view and in Don's view. She yeah. looks stunning. Yeah. She is drop-dead gorgeous. And, you know, there's that whole thing of, like, I don't even like her, and he's like, why didn't you go out with her? And I th- had the thought, so you could see me dressed up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that is the night that they sleep together. That is the night... He comes and knocks on her, on her door and they go out to the to the terrace Balcony, yeah. and they do the stuff. I think you could make make an argument that Megan is is trying to lure him. Not in a not in a he's not a married man. He's you know, he's out there spending time with her and she she is with him all day, every day. They have slept together at this point. But, yeah, I, I think in a. In as healthy a way, I guess, as is appropriate. No, she's seeing an opportunity. It's not right. It's not like yeah. some major. She didn't do anything to get herself to California. Correct. But now that she's there, wow, she's not, this- she's not conniving. She's she's being opportunistic, which is her right. It's fine. It's it's there's a again. He's not married. She knows he's seeing somebody. Okay. Yeah. She's interested. They've already and he cheated on Faye. It cheated as a. No, they already slept together while he was with Fat. Right. She did it. I just want to put it out there that they probably don't have an actual verbal commitment. So cheating is a is a he was Faye would be upset. <laughs> Faye would be upset. You know, whatever. But yeah, yeah, I'm just point is, yes. She already knows he's not interested enough in Faye that he that it kept him from sleeping with her the first yes. time. Correct. So yeah, why not? I would. Oh come on, wouldn't I would if I was if I was working for Don and I was thinking about Don every day and I'd already slept with Don and promised that that was a one and done. But all of a sudden I'm in California. I'm going to have some pretty clothes with me. It's a it's a it's a it's a workplace romance, which is fraught, to, you know, by definition. So it's not exactly an everyday or or it is an everyday thing. But it's not a it's not it's not uncomplicated, right? But but yeah, no, she she. She is fine to be to be wooed by Don. She is open and willing to it and and is is happy to 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 have the opportunity. And not unwooing herself. 
not devoid of woo on her part. <laughs> right. <laughs> Am I bothering you? No. I was out on the balcony enjoying the view. I heard you come in and I uh, wanted to go over the plan for tomorrow for Disneyland. Do you think I should be involved in such high-level decisions? <laughs> so Monday, uh-huh. they've now slept together the night before. Monday is the day they go to the drive through diner, the milkshake. Well, and we also hear that Don is saying, I'm going to knock on your door again. Yes. Monday night. Yes, right? yes, yes. Which we presume he does, but we don't see. And the reason I mention that is this milkshake incident happens where the kids are fighting and the strawberry milkshake spills. And it looks like, you know, every disaster anyone who has had kids on vacation has <laughs> has had to deal right. with. And it's the exact reason Don didn't go alone, because if he was like that, you know, if he was alone for that, it would have been a a a, a, a ten alarm disaster sure. with the napkins and the yelling at Sally and getting frustrated. And Megan is a pro; she handles it in five seconds. And Don is like, like he just saw a magic trick. He's now smitten <laughs> with with this magician who just mm. took care of this horrible mess. But we don't see the Monday night incident. So when we watch, there's this dissolve into Don's apartment, but we don't know it's Don's apartment. We may as well think they're still in California the night after a second roll in the hay. But and I love that. I love that that gap that we don't know is coming because it means they probably have slept together a third time, but you know, a second night in a row. And now she's at his apartment for, you know, maybe I, I don't know if it's the next the next day or Yeah, it's Tuesday morning. But if he if they sleep together for the first time Sunday night and he's talking about doing it again the next night. That would be Monday night. It's as if they have another night in California. It's Tuesday morning. In his apartment? In his apartment. Because he said he's coming back Tuesday. He'll, he'll be back oh, Tuesday. Did he? Yeah. He said that to Faye. It's just the only gap is the plane ride and the getting home and the how they get back together. But if he says he's home Tuesday, that doesn't mean that when they wake up in his apartment, it's Tuesday. So Sunday night is when they sleep together the first time. And then they say, he says, I'm going to knock on your door tomorrow. It's more than that. What he says is, we're going to have a late night dinner. So that is Monday night. So they Has do. So you're, So they do not wake up in New York. I think what it means is that when we see them in his apartment, it's not necessarily Tuesday morning. It might be Wednesday morning. It can't be Tuesday morning. It could yeah. be Wednesday. It could be Wednesday morning. Because Faye even says, I, I was wondering where you were, you know, like it's been a while. So she knew he was coming back Tuesday and he didn't call like that day. You are correct. That's what I'm saying. There is a flaw in the timeline on the blog. Oh. There's very few flaws. There we go. We just found one. All right. Anywho, time has passed and that dissolve is up to us to recognize that there that this is not an L.A. thing or a, a, a sunstroke thing for, for the two Right, of right, right. No, no, no. That this is, they're now together in back, back east. Now, I want to go back to that diner scene. Yeah. So, like I said, my sister and I were talking about this episode and she mentioned the milkshake. She said the, the real turning point, the real securing it, sealing the deal, was the milkshake scene. When I watched it, I absolutely didn't get the first time around the impact of what happened there. Because here's what happened there. 
that milkshake spilled and the looks on everybody's faces. <laughs> I know what you're Bobby's, Sally's, and Don's was holy terror. This is where people go nuts. This is where Betty Draper Francis goes nuts. Of course. She's not Betty Draper Francis. I guess she's Betty Hofstetter. Whatever. I get her name wrong every time, but I always want to say all the names. I think I hadn't, I think I never really looked at season four in the arc of things before doing this podcast at how much Sally really was being terrorized by Betty. Mm. Betty really, like I said earlier, has has become villainous in her behavior. She's really terrorizing everybody. You know, season two, she starts turning on Bobby, right? You little liar. Mm -hmm. And she's catching Sally smoking and locks her in the closet. Right. Betty's that sort of, you know, Wicked Witch of the West prototype almost where where so you can imagine what the the milkshake would do i mean right. that would set off everything. and you saw but you saw that everybody the three of them froze they froze everybody remembers that that moment as a kid right <laughs> you of know course. if it's been a tough day and we end the day with the milkshake spill you know watch out but betty has been so predictable by now at this point this oh, isn't yeah. right so they really all waited for it they froze they they were all deer in headlights Frozen in terror, including Don. Yeah, he was two steps down the road of being like, oh, why'd you have to do that? You know? Yeah, he was half half frozen in terror and half about to be the terror. Yeah. Yeah. He was in between those two places. And then Megan was just, nope, nope, this is fine. Everything's okay. Made everything better. And that he was that was that, that was it. That was it. There's no I agree with your sister. That absolutely hundred percent sealed that that's when where was that where's that ring? <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much Did what, I just get a ring? Did somebody just give me yeah, a fucking wow, ring? Look at this. I got huh. a ring. Huh. Gotta do something with this. Burn yeah. a hole in my pocket. <laughs> I mentioned this earlier, but I'll explore it briefly here. I think that's the point of Faye being so bad with the kids. This is the payoff to that. We 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 debated, right? We had that whole discussion in um, The Beautiful Girls about why was Faye so comically bad? And she was comically bad. I'm not saying she was suddenly good. In a way, I think the point within the, the universe of Mad Men was to make Faye so over-the-top bad that this contrast with Megan would be in stark relief. Again, I think she could have pulled it off better, but th to me that's what that's what this is is, is a payoff for that somewhat. Totally. Yeah. I still think it was executed poorly. I yeah. still think they could have made Faye be a normal human person who was bad with kids and not be so ridiculous that it But there's made, a link it, between it was, these those yeah, two. Yeah, things. no, no, totally. Yeah. That was absolutely there to show us. I think part of it too Deborah and I touched on this as well. I'm sorry um, to keep throwing her into this, but we just, we, we just, we, it was us five minutes talking about Mad Men and we're, it's like a podcast, except faster. What I realized as she and I were talking about it was it was probably intended to be funny. It was probably intended to be some comic relief. And honestly, there was no place for comic relief. I mean, Look, they did the dead. But I mean, it was the same. It was the Blankenship death episode. Know, so there was Sally. We're there with were some, Sally. Exactly. It's there were sight hard. gags yeah. already happening. But with but Sally's heart was breaking and she was really suffering. And there was no place for comedy there. That was the wrong tone. If that was the attempt. Did not work. But no, 100 percent. The whole point of of the intention behind it was to set up this contrast. It's the snake in the grass for Faye. That we again we don't know is there until it's there. Don Don wasn't thinking. Oh, I really like this Faye, but you know what? We're we got a low ceiling, me and Faye, because she's not good with kids. Don's not thinking that. He's thinking she's good for me. 
I like being with her. She's she's very attractive. You know all these all these things, and she she really cares about me. Like like Donna's genuinely good with Faye, but it's sort of like you don't know what's missing until you see it in front of you, and that's Megan and the milkshake and the French nursery rhymes and everything else. Yeah, Maria von Trapp is in front of you. <laughs> that's the one you marry. Right, exactly. But I don't think that ring was going on Faye's finger in any in any scenario. You know? No, Don wasn't planning on getting married. But, and we'll get more into this, but I think that what we discover here is all of this was pointing to Don getting married. Yes. All of it. And, all of and, it. and the final piece was was being handed a ring <laughs> and being handed Maria Von Trapp. I mean, that's a, that's a good combo. Yeah. Okay, so do we want to take a break? Let's take a break. At this point in time. And when we come back, we will talk about everybody's reaction to the exciting news. Woohoo! So Don proposes yada yada. <laughs> yeah. Again, we already sort of talked about when did he start to have feelings? I don't know, when it seemed like a good idea to have them. Yeah, exactly. So he proposes, she says, yes, it's ridiculously romantic. It's absolutely beautiful. And I don't know, the bile is rising in all our throats, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, now they've got to deliver the news. She's like, what do we do at work? He's like, we tell them. Like now this isn't. <laughs> This is this is engaged. So let's take this one at a time. Sure. Roger's glad because now Don's gone and done what he feels Don was upset at him for for the past two years, three years. Right. And it, Roger is incorrect because Roger was married. Correct. A hundred percent correct. Roger sees it and says, how does this reflect on me? And comes to a conclusion. That's right. <laughs> Roger thinks this is his redemption. It's not, Roger. Yeah, sorry. that's what he says. See, nah, this is how you do it. Yeah, It's like, ay, ay, yeah. ay. Um, So that's Roger. Pete repeats Miss Manners. Oh, he's the best. Again, <laughs> now I, I told you about this, you know, this etiquette sort of thing in, in my family. I call it Jaspergers. Oh, wow. Because we're just... Everything, you know, it's not enough to be right. Everyone has to know that you're right about whatever. Mm. But I was always told, not that, you know, you almost feel silly doing the right thing because it's so awkward to say best wishes. It's a weird thing to say out loud. Mm. You write that on a birthday card. You don't write it. <laughs> you don't say it out loud. But Pete knows. Pete knows. You don't say congratulations to the bride. You say best wishes. I knew that because of my Asper Jasperger's family. That also goes under the category of something we've brought up many times, which is what Pizza sounds blood. what sounds ridiculous in 2021 does not sound ridiculous and corny and cliche. The cliches, <sighs> the things that we think are ridiculous and cliches are not cliche in 1965. It's true. And it's also true. best wishes means a whole different thing to Shit's Creek fans. Okay. No, it's just fun that two of the characters just throw it at each other. Best wishes, warmest regards. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the the sentiment behind that is congratulations sounds as if you were trying to land your man. Like, oh, congratulations, you got hitched kind of thing, which is inappropriate to tell the woman. It's all about possession. Congratulations, you snagged a bride. Yeah. Best wishes to you in servicing your man. Mm. <laughs> So, so that was that reaction. Then, well, first of all, who is the first to break the ice when they do the announcement and everyone's like in stunned silence? Who's the first one out? Lane, Lane right? <laughs> the, he the, opens his arms like it's going to be a hug, and then it's a big handshake. Here's a guy struggling, struggling with a divorce, and he's like, "Oh, that should be me one day." 
preferably with a Playboy bunny. So Lane breaks the ice and everyone's let in and Joan, <laughs> sorry, it's just great. You could just watch Joan this whole scene and just take not take your eyes off of her. And, you know, Joan, Joan handles it because she has seen this a zillion times before. She really has. Oh, my God. So Peggy comes in later. Right. But right. But everyone, you know, kind of has their they have their drink and the phone rings and Megan has to go get the phone. Wow. It's been going on a while. But I appreciate your concern. Well, then I'm happy for you. Both of you. She's very beautiful. You know, she reminds me of you. She's got the same spark. I know she admires you just as much as I do. Don is pretending that none of this is weird. (laughs) And that it's all just, look, listen, once again, once you're engaged, you can tell everybody at work. And and that big beaming smile of of love is going to be in, maybe it's not even quite that he's pretending it's not. It's like being, he's got to be so exuding happiness that everybody has to fall in line, right? Right. He can't have a wink or an ironic take on this. That's right. Which is Peggy's take. Then you say to Peggy, now listen, again, do respect. He's, he's paying, he's, he's, he is treating Peggy it consistent with the relationship that got established in yeah. the suitcase. And that, that makes me feel very good. It's true. For someone that needs to play this off, Don does a good job of playing it off. Yes. What, but then he says, but, listen, there's no part of Peggy that's in love with Don Draper. No, not romantically. But he's going to marry Megan. She's a lot like you. She reminds me of you. What the, f- <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to even do with that, Don? Like, what is that? Well, I think that's what sets Peggy off to go into Joan's office. I think that's the... <laughs> I mean, that, all, I mean, all of it, it, but that was definitely the that that was out the, door. the last thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, first of all, you don't want to hear that. Peggy is always the also rant. So regardless of that, Peggy does not want to be with Don Draper. It never feels good to not be wanted, even if being wanted would be weird and creepy and she'd have to deal with that. There's right. still the reminder that she's the one not wanted. And that's all. She reminds me of you, except she's the one I want to marry. And she's the one I want to fuck. And have you seen you? And have you seen her? So <laughs> there's just, it's I think that's crazy. part of what's going and there. Don has to keep the, the smile on his face. But here's the other thing. All of this that nobody's talking about is, are you fucking crazy? What are you doing? You're going to make, you're making this. I mean, I'm sorry. That's the underlying thing of this whole thing. Don thinks that all signs and all fate and all of the universe just pointed him toward this. Mm -hmm. He said that to Megan, like, do you believe all the things that had to happen? Well, yeah, all the things. Your fucking ex-wife is a bitch who went crazy on Carla, who, you know, there's a domino that happened. The only fate, the magical fate thing was the ring. I will give you that. All right. But also because you slept with Allison is how Megan got on your desk in the first place. Like, it's every bit of bad behavior of, you know, there there wasn't some magical conspiracy to get all those things together. It was just... A bunch of things. But let's remember, it's been mentioned by Melinda McGraw. It was mentioned by someone on our uh, 
season three. He's a sex they, and love addict. They joined that. He's a sex and love addict. So what are you going to do? He's 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 acting on his addiction is what this is. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He he thinks that this is like some new good idea. He doesn't see this is just more of the same. Which takes us to the final shot. We'll, we'll, we'll get to Joan and Peggy. We, we got to talk about them. But since you mentioned that. Yeah. More of the same. Groundhog Day. I know. <laughs> I, it was so meta. because It's beautiful. Because if you take I Got You, Babe on its own, it doesn't mean Groundhog Day. No, it's Day, unironic. Right? It's unironic. It's a great, I mean, it's one. It's just a wonderful, fun, great song. It's Sonny and Cher. They're married. Not if you're a Bill Murray fan. And it's contemporary, right? It was a 65 song, I want to say. Absolutely contemporary. You know? It's before Sonny and Cher are not together. Correct. <laughs> right? Yeah. But the real meta piece is, is, is that's the <laughs> wink and the nod. That's it's, the. It's beautiful. It's, it's a great way to end the season. Again. It's a great, great way to end the season. Genius. I loved it. I forgot about it entirely. Me too. Until until it played. So that that definitely works out. But we have to circle back on, on two quick things. Totally. Uh, the first is... Peggy and Joan. <laughs> well, the minute Joan says, whatever whatever do you want to talk about or something. <laughs> Whatever's on your mind. <laughs> whatever could be on your mind. I mean, you like to say this. This really is the Joan and Peggy scene we've all been waiting to see. <laughs> and we've never seen it because they've truly... If you think about it... <sighs> These two have been working together now for five years. They could have broken the ice by now, and they really haven't. I mean, you could you could see Peggy in Joan's office three times a week yeah. with conversations like yeah. this. They yeah. just they've always kept their their they've always held their ground in their different, you know, sort of positions. And this is the first time the guard comes down and we are like, we are two women watching a train wreck. Let's watch together. Give me a cigarette. <laughs> the parts were left to fill in by by withholding this exchange, by withholding this dynamic from us of these two characters and how rich it could have been all all the way through, is to say, look, Peggy, she, she's the striving Brooklyn girl. You know, I want things I haven't seen and all that. You got Joan. We know who that is. You know, Joan didn't have the imagination for what Peggy is doing when this all started. Peggy had to invent it herself. We've gone over all that. And- she sees Peggy dressing better, doing well, doing the job that everyone thought was frivolous for her, that Joan specifically thought was frivolous for her. She's got a respect for Peggy that we can only sort of fill in the gaps as to what that is, but we know it's there. And so when when a scene like this comes out, comes about, we're just, we're on the edge of our seats. We're drooling for it because it's earned. And they're not, and by the way, it's not that thing where now, Oh, now we're buddies and we see eye to eye. It's like, Mm-mm. no, there's been a, this has been a slow, a, a, a slow simmer for all this time. And now we can really bond over this because we're, we're on equal footing. Because the feeling is, is somewhat mutual. Joan, who, who used to talk about, I'm going to get married and I'm going to get out of here because that's what we do. She may not use the, the term career gal for herself, mm-hmm. but that's what she's become. She says, well, I learned a long time ago not to get all my satisfaction from this job. And Peggy goes, that's bullshit. Yeah, she, she pops the balloon. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and Joan laughs because she knows she's right. She gets a great deal of satisfaction from this job. It was actually surprising you know, we talked about the phone call with Greg, but the warmth between them 
Joan's delight in talking to Greg was surprising to see because, because sure, it's easier to be affectionate towards him when he's not there being a fucking asshole every day. But you forget that there's anything there at all. But of course there is people. She's married to him, you know, and now he's out of her face. So it's, it's easy to miss him and love him and whatever. But you really do only see Joan getting all her satisfaction from this job. That's right. And that's all we have seen for the most part, because she's, she's, she's that girl. When she left and was working at a department store, when she came back and made it all happen for this new agency, that changed her. Oh, that was the culmination. That made her appreciate everything about what she contributes. It's fulfilling. It really is. I'm very happy for you. It's okay, Betty. I don't know why I'm surprised. So the last piece of business here is Don and Betty. This is what I mean, how it feels like a, a series finale. You're <laughs> right. really, I'll... you know, you're, I mean, an empty house. Yeah. You know, exactly. that's a perfect, you know, we're closing down this set. Don knows where the extra bottle of booze is. That was great. A drink. <laughs> um, and it is a great scene. And Betty I mean, at this point, I don't really care how Betty feels about Don because we've spent so much time with Don and Megan and chewing over that. That little schedule glitch. Betty pretends she didn't know Don was coming over. And the first thing, but Betty powders her nose moments before he shows up. Uh huh. uh Betty is in the mirror powdering her nose. So, you know, Don has to deliver the news and, you know, she takes it. She takes it fine, I guess. Right. I think her acting. I think if you watch her face. As she wrangles all the feelings and then brings it back to collected, mm-hmm. was really fantastic. And knows Bethany's full name. That's the other thing. It's the funniest thing. Well, you had brought it up. <laughs> I love that. You had brought it up when they went on their last date, presumably their last date. <laughs> Bethany Van Nuys. She never forgot Bethany Van Nuys, no. and she, you know, and she never isn't obsessed with <laughs> whoever John might be with. Yeah. So the second he says, I'm engaged, it's to Bethany Van Nuys. No, no. Bethany Van Nuys, of the Westchester County, not Van Nuys's, you know, like (laughs) like there's a, you know, some sort of family correlation. Um, But yeah, a nice little, nice little wrap up scene there. The empty kitchen, the empty house and say goodbye. Yeah, it was well done. It was very well done. Okay. One more break. When we come back, we're going to talk about season four. Season five, maybe? No spoilers. We're just going to put our uh, increasingly plausible (laughs) clueless hats on and uh, see what's there. As we are wrapping up our fourth season, and do you believe it? We can't believe it. Just wanted to say thank you again and remind you that this is a listener-supported show, and the best way to support us is becoming a patron over at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theycoinditpod. We do have extra content over there and drop the show early and you get to give us your comments first. But again, it is the best way to support us. Either way, we love you. We love that you're listening. You've made such a difference for us in (laughs) these dark, weird times. So we really, really thank you so much and we look forward to next year. Now let's get back to it. For those of you who listened to our eminently chewable discussion of hands and knees, where we get into a little bit about season four and the structure. We posted it on uh, as our Thanksgiving 
piece out. So a few weeks back. Then you've heard some of this, but it, it is, I think, important. It's very, it, it, it really goes toward what this is all about mm-hmm. to talk about this season and this crazy, crazy structure that Matthew Weiner put to this because it's so non-intuitive. I find it very counter. It works. I think we. I think we both love this episode. We both love how this ends. I certainly. You may also have a greater appreciation for the season than you did before we rewatched it. There's this sense that yeah, it's all it's all pointing towards Don remarrying. We don't know what the the real action of the of the season is. Don's getting loaded. He's getting blacked out. He's got all this crazy Michigas going on. He can't keep it together. And he's slowly starting with the suitcase and Summerman starts to try and get a grip on his life and his drinking. As I've said, he is a man untethered. What he takes away from the suitcase is, I don't have to be alone. That was always Anna's message to him. Yeah. You know, the belief that you are alone. And he doesn't know it either. He doesn't know that how he's going to resolve that is by making sure he's not alone in the more literal sense. <laughs> right. But that's that's what he does. It's all there. That's not action to to a season of episodes, right? That's a lot of interior character work. That's a lot of interior interior dialogue literally since there's a whole episode of Don's voiceover. But the, that's all taking place inside of this character. That's not something that you build a the full tree trunk of the season around. And yet they made it work by doing that. It didn't seem that way in, in real time as we went through episode by episode. The fact that we knew where this season ended, we saw it building to that. We could now look back on the whole thing. That that really is what was going on. And it was really beautifully done that you could con- you, you could hide the main themes and the main action in plain sight. The tree trunk, if you will, is the agency. Yes. And Don's role in it. Yes. And Don's role in it, and and you know, you, you we start it's public with public relations, and Don has this Cleo nominated. I don't know if he's nominated yet at the beginning, but this you know Don is the he's hottest thing in advertising yeah. at the beginning of the season, and this little startup, you know, this this new agency is is the golden child of of Manhattan. That's right. Don's seeing a prostitute. And hasn't been dating, and then he's sticky. He has that first date with Bethany, mm. and then from there, the tyranny that is Lee Garner Jr. Yeah, what's well, Don taking control, even while he has no control? Right, he has less and less control around the the business, the agency. You're at the whim of your clients, and this client has an outsized proportion of their billings, so he's at Lee Garner Jr.'s whim. Certainly, they all are. And he has to figure out how to create order out of this chaos. Yeah. And then that's the other teaser, too, is is Lee Garner Jr. is what ends up, you know, I mean, we hear it in the beginning. We hear Lucky Strike is how much of our business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's the other thing we're watching is what's going to happen, what's going to come of this agency. And then they lose, they lose Lucky Strike. And then he writes the letter and here we are. And that all happens in two weeks, by the way. <laughs> You really don't know if this, if this, you really don't know when, when Lee Garner has that lunch with, with Roger, if the company's going to make it, but the season ends not, not, not with a bang, not quite with a whimper either though, but with a, with a, with a scrap of hope with a new client. Well, yeah, you've got, you know, this one little new client, which no one's going to build a whole agency around, but Don's getting married, new beginnings, 
you know, the, the agency hopefully isn't dead, although that's not for sure just yet. And and I find it so interesting the way this counterintuitive season worked throughout and then now ends. What is a season five? What what could that look like? I mean, ju- we've seen it, obviously. We know some, some some of what's involved. Just looking at it again, and I don't think either of us are experts on season five of Mad Men at this point. No, but we're going to pretend we don't know anything anyway for this exercise. Well, well questions that, that need to be answered by the time we get to the pr- premiere of season five. Do Don and Megan get married? Does this thing go I think off? I've spoiled that enough times that... <laughs> I, but you know what? I, and, yeah, but also, I mean, at least in this episode, but also, I gotta be honest, I never... I remember where I was at the end of season four. Oh. At least with that. I mean, there was no... Like, they were getting married. I don't remember. I know that I look at it now and I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily assume they're getting married. I had no question. I I had... Abs- I don't think... Fair I enough. I don't think that... Fair yeah, I, they were getting married. They were going to get married right away. So let's say they get married. Well, what's their marriage? What's that marriage That's like? The, what's their marriage and they what's- barely really know each other. What's their marriage? Where are they going to live? Because one of the things in that last shot, that final, final shot with, with I Got You, Babe, is is in that darkness of, the, of that dark, dark apartment. But he's looking out the window and he's away from Megan. He does not exactly have the happiest look on his face. That's where that's a little shot of the future. Well, there. that's the here I go again part of it. But yeah. you know they're not staying in that apartment. Like that's not. Oh sure. That's probably the only thing he needs to secure mm-hmm. before they get married. Because he said we're going to get married. We don't know, but soon. Now that they're doing this, it's going to be soon. We don't know what's going to be happening at the office with Megan. Does she stay? Does the, she yeah. go? What's her role going to be? What she, does she want to do? What will she do? That's right. Jones pregnant. And about to be showing what happens to her. You know, looking ahead in terms of just what's the next season going to be about, I guess it's going to be exploring all those things. This relationship, this marriage, what it means for Don. I mean, Megan at this point does not know Dick Whitman, the whole any of that. She knows nothing about this. He's Don Draper to her. Right. So in a way, it's starting over because he did this whole thing with Faye. Revealed it to her, and we thought that was a huge breakthrough. Turned out not to be. We didn't. When we talked about it, we decided that that wasn't a huge breakthrough. It was a. It was. It wasn't because it didn't mean that much in terms of Faye. It was easier for him to tell her, and we decided. You and I decided, and I think that the fans mostly feel the same way. Obviously, the corners will correct us. God knows they're not shy about it. We ask you to. We love you is it didn't mean anything significant about his feelings toward Faye. Yes, but it's still significant for Don. So I do think that, as we've said from the very beginning of this series, this is a story about, partly a story about Don and Dick coming together more and more, and he's starting to say it more and more. So I, my guess would be, that he tells her, but we don't know because this is a great opportunity. He can pretend there's new beginnings. I don't know. Right. There is no fresh start. Lives carry on. <laughs> I don't believe this. I have to call my mother. I had this feeling and I called her from California because I wanted it to go away. Sorry. Listen, we're going to do a couple rappy things. For the season. We got some. Rap season four. Again, we got some holiday, little holiday treats for you. Little hangout with with us and and we'll talk about some mad men stuff and some not mad men stuff some listicles some some yada yada stuff to to chew on but yeah just just fun stuff to talk about at this stage of the game season four um a little over halfway through the the whole spiel so we'll we'll do that we are 
setting our schedule for next season and and we're going to gear up. We're going to probably do one of our live Zoom shows going in, something like that. We're we're going to you're going to know <laughs> when Consider yourselves teased everybody. You've been teased. Exactly. All right, thank you so much. Bye guys. Hey, Coiners, we're so glad you're enjoying the show. One of the best ways to support us is to give us rave reviews on Apple Podcasts and to share us on social media. A great way to literally support us is at our Patreon, where we've got some extra content. Patreon.com slash theycoinditpod. If you're able, we love you either way. And we love your comments and your questions. Bring them on. Questions at theycoinditpod.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, at TCI Mad Men Pod. We've got a lot more Mad Men to get to, and we can't wait. See you next episode.